Hey dads, before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know about a great resource we have for you called the Dad-Son Challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. These are fun activities that you and your son can do to help both of you get better at being men that are based around the five marks of manhood that we talk about in each episode of Manly Tales. So go to manhoodtribes.com challenge where you can download your free dad-son challenge today. That's manhoodtribes.com slash challenge. Welcome to Manly Tales, stories for making men out of boys, a podcast for dads and sons to listen to together. I'm Don Ross, the host of Manly Tales, and each episode you'll hear my sons and me talk about the stories that are inspiring and teaching us about what it means to be a man. We're excited to have you listen in with us. This episode is part of Season 2 of Manly Tales, where we're talking about the Knights of the Round Table. Today's episode is about Sir Bedivere. Let's listen together. Merlin slowly nodded and led Galahad to the seat of danger at the Round Table. Each knight stood next to their appointed chair, drawing his sword and placing it on the table, and with a knowing look, each knight sat down. In an instant there was a swirl of light filling the chamber. They each knew in that instant they had received the holy vision of the age to come. In this vision, they were charged with a quest for the Holy Grail. Arthur and his knights quested for the Grail, each looking for various clues or leads that would point them in the right direction on their quest for the Grail that was foretold to usher in the new era. While the knights poured their time, skill, and resources into this quest, others, with more treacherous motives, saw an opportunity to try and overthrow Arthur and take over the kingdom. One such haughty man was Mordred. Mordred, like his peers Galahad, Percival, and Bors, each had competed to earn a place at the table. Mordred, losing the contest, vowed vengeance on the good King Arthur and his knights. Over the following decades since that contest, Mordred grew in hatred, skill, and followers. Seeing Camelot's defenses diminish due to the Grail Quest, he sought to lead his treasonous followers to overtake the kingdom, thus ushering in King Arthur's final battle. A new age, one way or another, was nearer than they all knew. King Arthur, seeking to protect the beloved people of his kingdom, stood his ground at Camelot while some of his knights quested for the Grail, including Lancelot, Galahad, Percival, and Bors. Among those brave knights who stayed with Arthur was Sir Bedivere. Sir Bedivere joined Arthur along with Sir Lancelot, and had been from that day one of Arthur's most loyal followers. Sir Bedivere was one of the fiercest in battle as well. He stood a head taller than any other knight. His chest was as broad as a bull's, and his legs were as tree trunks. He had learned over the years to let go of his youthful fury and turn his calm and confidence into fierce battle prowess and became known as Arthur's most ardent protector. Sir Bedivere loved his king and would do anything to protect him. King Arthur's battle with Mordred was harrowing. Many men were lost on both sides. King Arthur led with Excalibur in hand. At one point, Sir Bedivere took on three dozen knights by himself, ending with Sir Bedivere standing on a mound of his vanquished foes. Mordred, seeing that King Arthur's warriors and allies were overtaking his own treasonous band, feeling desperate and spiteful, made a desperate play. Arthur, he called out, coward king, why do you hide behind your little knights? Are you not brave enough to face me like a man? I would be a king that leads this nation with strength, strength to crush our enemies. You are weak, Arthur, weak. Arthur stepped out calmly his silver and gold armor gleaming in the evening sun, a symbol of a golden lion emblazoned across his breastplate, Excalibur glowing brilliantly in his hand. Bedivere, seeing his king start to make his way toward the traitor, walked alongside. Would you like me to strike him down, sire? Arthur raised a calming hand to Bedivere to indicate he did not wish such an action yet. Your arrogance has grown since last I saw you, Mordred, Arthur spoke. You think yourself a man of strength, but your words only reveal your own weakness. 
I told you in your youth, and it is still true today, strength with weapons does not make you strong. It is within your heart and character where true strength lies. Even the ones of us most filled with rage can find the righteous path. Do not take the easy path, my lad. I extend to you now another chance to take the path of true glory and power, that of strength of character and strength of friends. Sir Bedivere spoke up. If I may, my lord, he asked of King Arthur. Arthur, knowing how far Bedivere had grown, nodded. Listen to him, lad. I too was a man filled with nothing but rage, seeking to be a man of glory. That only led to my destruction. My rage led to my own downfall in combat. Our wise and strong king showed me a different path, a path where I have learned to let go of my anger, and in my newfound confidence, fight with more strength than I have ever known. You'd be wise to listen, lad. Enough! shouted Mordred. You know nothing of strength. These are words of the weak. Arthur, if you didn't have that sword, you would be no more king than a common beggar. You cheat true strength, and I challenge you, weak Arthur, in hand-to-hand combat. To the victor goes your precious sword and this pitiful kingdom. Arthur took a long pause and stoically stared into Mordred's eyes. Within Mordred's eyes, he saw fear and hurt under the veneer of anger. He knew in his heart Mordred was beyond hearing wisdom. He was lost. Arthur sorrowfully responded, I accept your challenge. But you should know, Mordred, this sword will do you no good. It merely enhances what already lies within, and I see truly within your heart and soul. Cowardice. Cowardice shrouded by rage. But my king, Sibedevir pleaded, you are too important to the realm. Let it be me who fights this traitor. I know his rage well, and I could use it against him. Ah, you could, my beloved Bedivere, King Arthur responded. That you could. But it must be me. Bedivere, although reluctant, out of love and protective nature for his beloved king, bowed in deference to King Arthur. King Arthur approached Mordred, Excalibur drawn. Mordred gave a ravenous smile as he readied himself. Behind Mordred were a scattered gathering of what was left of his treacherous followers. Behind Arthur, standing regally, with a look of pride for their king, were his knights, armor shining a fiery orange from the sunset. The lands outside of Camelot were deathly quiet in anticipation of this battle. Arthur stood in a defensive stance. Mordred, breaking the silence, charged Arthur with a hatred-filled battle cry. The battle commenced. Mordred fought with a fury-filled relentlessness that was formidable. Arthur, with a patient, practiced hand and focused determination, fended off the onslaught of blows from Mordred. Excalibur began to shine brighter and brighter with every swing. As Arthur's focus and strength grew, so too did Excalibur's. Bedivere watched on with anxious and vigilant eyes. He trusted the wisdom and skill of his king, but equally distrusted the heart and rage of Mordred. They continued to wage battle as the sun continued to set. Arthur knocked Mordred to the ground. Mordred, picking up a handful of dirt, flung it in Arthur's eyes. Having momentarily blinded King Arthur from the ground, Mordred lunged upwards, piercing Arthur in the side. King Arthur let out a cry of pain. Mordred smiled. Then, the king, with eyes closed, using the direction he was stabbed as his guide, using a sudden downward thrust, plunged Excalibur deep within Mordred's wicked chest. Mordred breathed his last breath. Arthur stumbled backward, clutching his side. He was bleeding badly. Sir Bedivere rushed to the king's side. Help me back to the castle, Bedivere, Arthur said weakly, handing Bedivere Excalibur for him to carry, while Bedivere and another knight helped their king to his chambers within the castle. Merlin examined the king's wounds. I fear this wound is beyond my ability to heal. I can mend you for now, my lord, in a manner that would grant you a few weeks' time, maybe a month at most. But I am grieved to tell you that beyond some act of God, you will die from such a wound. King Arthur nodded at his trusted advisor's words. Have Bedivere meet with me. Sir Bedivere, who was anxiously awaiting news of his king, upon hearing he was summoned, rushed to his king's side. My beloved lord, what do you ask of me? Anything you ask, I will do. 
My beloved brother, Arthur began, I am dying. But do not grieve long. The Holy Grail will usher in a holy era to this kingdom, and it seems that my death will as well. There will no longer be use for the way of knights in this new era, but something greater will be the focus. And thus I have a final quest to give you, my beloved Bedivere. Take Excalibur to the Lost Lake, and toss it back from whence it came. I fear the people's focus will be on what I was able to do with it, and not what on the Holy Grail will bring. As I die, so too must the mythos around this artifact. Arthur began to hand Excalibur to Sir Bedivere. In seeing his dying king, Bedivere did not give a second thought to what his king was asking of him, and humbly took the fabled blade from his king. As you say, my lord, but please, do not pass in my absence. I have stood with you through so much. I will be humbled and honored to stand next to you in this your final path. Arthur nodded and closed his eyes, trusting his beloved friend and brother. Sir Bedivere set off towards the Lost Lake. Having served at Arthur's side for decades, he had traveled with Arthur back to the lake many times. But upon his quest, doubt began to creep into Sir Bedivere's mind. He imagined himself throwing Excalibur back into the lake, where it would be lost. This is a symbol and reminder of our great king. He deserves to be remembered. He has earned it. The people of this land could surely handle being gifted with Excalibur and the Holy Grail. What if we do not find the Grail? What if the vision was wrong? Then what will we have? Maybe I just hold on to this until we can know for sure. The doubt overcame Sir Bedivere, and he set his mind to not returning Excalibur to the Lost Lake, and instead returned to his king. What happened when you returned the sword? Arthur asked. My lord, I could not do it, Sir Bedivere replied, and began to relay his doubts to his king. Arthur smiled sweetly at Sir Bedivere. Brother, I understand your doubt. We must have faith in the holy vision we have been given. We must have faith. And my friend, if that is too much to ask of you at this time, please just continue to trust me. Please return this relic from whence it came. Sir shoulder slouched, feeling he had disappointed his king, but began to stand up straighter when Arthur asked for his trust. I will do as you say. Your faith in me will not be unfounded. And with that, Sir Bedivere set out to do as his king had asked. He made it through the forest to the Lost Lake. Taking one last look at the gleaming and bejeweled sword, it began to pulse with energy. Remembering King Arthur's words, he flung it as far as he could into the center of the lake. Then, suddenly from the depths of the water, a shimmering hand plunged out of the water, grabbing Excalibur in midair, then slowly dragged it into the watery depths below from whence it came. Sir Bedivere made his way back to his king's side to relay what he had seen. And with that, Arthur seemed to exhale a sigh of relief. Suddenly, out of thin air, three shining, translucent women in cloaks appeared in the room with King Arthur and Sir Bedivere. You have done well, young Arthur. You have completed your quest. We have come to take you to the mystic and infinite shores of Avalon. They then turned to Sir Bedivere. You, Sir Bedivere, have served your king well these many decades. You have earned a place next to him. If you choose, you can follow him and be by his side on these shores. Bedivere, trembling from this formidable presence of these women, kneeled. I believe I am not worthy of such an honor, but I will trust what you say, and have pledged my loyalty to Arthur, and my loyalty is unwavering. I will follow him in this and any other life. Arthur nodded. Then let it be so, and in a blink, all five of them appeared on a boat, setting sail for the shores of the mysterious land of Avalon. As they sailed from England to this unknown land, Sir Bedivere couldn't help but wonder, what awaited them on the other side, or what awaited his people in this new holy era to come. As he looked down at his 
king's kind face. He resolved to have faith like his king did, not knowing that out there Sir Lancelot, Sir Galahad, Sir Percival, and Sir Bors were at this very moment about to start the final leg of the quest for the Holy Grail. All right, well, we are coming to the end of our story about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And man, I got to be honest, it's it's kind of sad to hear this story about Sir Bedivere because, uh, you know, it ends with King Arthur's death. I mean, it's a really cool story, but also kind of sad to, you know, kind of be at this place and where we're at with our characters. What did you guys think about this story? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Well, I really like the part where um, King Arthur just, like, struck down Mordred, and it was kind of this, like, triumphant, but also sad, like, Mordred is defeated, but Arthur is severely wounded. So that was pretty scary. Yeah, it's kind of like a good moment and a bad moment all at the same time. I agree. Colton, what about you? What did you you like or not like about the story? That's mine, too, like, when Arthur killed Mordred, but... In doing that, died himself. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about Sir Bedivere, because he's kind of the knight who's the focus of the story here. What What did you like about Sir Bedivere? What I liked about Sir Bedivere was, was that he was never going to give up his king and never going to let him down. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> never going to give him up, never going to let him down. That's pretty good. All right. <laughs> I'll give you props for that one. All right, Eli, what did you like about Sir Bedivere? Well, what I really liked about Sir Bedivere was throughout all of this, he was sticking by Arthur's side the entire time. So I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. I thought it was really neat. I mean, it's been a while since we saw Bedivere and the story about Lancelot. But, you know, you can remember in that story, like, we just saw this really angry, rage-filled blacksmith who, you know, Lancelot kind of bested in a competition. And now we see him, you know, just a really different kind of character. He's clearly been changed by following King Arthur and the the Knights of the Round Table. And we just see a really different picture of a man who has grown and been transformed. And I think that was really kind of cool to see that transformation in him. So... Uh, yeah. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit then about, you know, when we listen to these stories on Manly Tales, we try to talk about what we're learning about how to be a man. And we do that on the Manly Tales show through our five marks of manhood, which are strength, courage, skill, honor, and allegiance. And we believe that these are things that all men should show in their lives. So when you look at the story about Sir Bedivere, what were some of the marks of manhood that showed up in this story? Some of the marks of manhood I saw was strength, courage, and allegiance. How um, Mordred was really skillful with the sword, and how um, Arthur had so much courage and uh, challenged Mordred, and uh, allegiance being um, how Bedrevere, um, Revere, yeah, whenever um, was always by his king's side 24 7 yeah i like that too i thought those were really good i think bedivere is probably the best example of allegiance that we've seen so far somebody who is just really committed to following his king and being loyal to him eli what about you what were some of the marks of manhood that you heard in the story 
Well, I for sure just like saw courage when Arthur was going in to fight Mordred. Like everyone knew that Mordred was really strong and skillful with a sword and pretty dangerous. And so when he took up the challenge, it was kind of like a this is not going to go well. But I think the fact that he was um, showing courage was maybe even trying to set example for his knights to not back down and to not give up because something is hard. Yeah, I think that's great. I agree. And I, I like, too, that, you know, we heard Mordred kind of accusing Arthur about being weak. You know, he kept kind of throwing out this, like... Uh, insult saying that Arthur wasn't strong. He and was then only he died. right, <laughs> but he was saying that Arthur was only strong because he had the sword. And you know, Arthur was quick to say the sword only brings out what's already there within you. And so he said, you know, it helps make me strong because my character is already strong, and that Mordred's character was not, and it, it wouldn't help him in that way. So I thought that was a good way of just kind of thinking about strength. Like a man needs physical strength, but the way that physical strength gets played out is really about what's already on the inside. So a good man is going to use physical strength in ways that are good, that are different than the way that a bad man would. So I think that's, that's a really good way of thinking about that. Okay. So, um, well, let's, uh, let's just kind of ask the question then, like, what did you, what did you guys learn about being a man from Sir Bedivere? Like, how could you put some things into play in your life that would be like the way that Sir Bedivere lived? I could be like Sir uh, Bedivere today is that I could, um, respect my, uh, coaches and parents and my elders and just like respect them and just like help them when it yeah I think that's good just kind of showing like uh, your authority figures respect and appreciation I think that's great Eli what about you I think I can be like um, Sir Bedivere by kind of doing what he did um, with King Arthur was like sticking to his side and honoring him even through some hard, tough times. I could do that with someone like um, like maybe a pastor or a leader at church that I would know, like Mr. Wade or like the high school ministry pastor, just kind of trying to like honor them and stick with their side through something hard just to show that I really care about them and appreciate them. Yeah, I think those are awesome examples. That's great. Okay, well, as we wrap up this episode of Manly Tales, uh, as we do with each episode of Manly Tales, we have a couple questions for you guys to be able to keep talking with each other. So dads and sons, as you're listening, we want you to continue the conversation beyond this episode. So we've got a question for each of you. And the question for the dads today is, who is a man that you could be loyal to and why? And our question for the sons is, who is a teacher, coach, or leader that you enjoy following and why? Okay, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Manly Tales. We'll look forward to talking to you on the next one when we wrap up this season of the Knights of the Roundtable. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you guys later. Manly Tales stories are adapted and performed by Josh Burns. For more information about the show, visit manlytales.com. Hey dads, don't forget to download your dad-son challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. Just go to manhoodtribes.com slash challenge.